Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what time it is. It is time to have a conversation with a collector in our hobby that matters. This time, I got my man, Jameson. You know him at Exquisite Sports Collectibles on Instagram. He is someone who I've been following for some time, been wanting to get him on the show, and here you have it. He operates in the high-end space in the hobby. He has gone all in. He does this full-time. He is someone who I learned a ton from, and I think you can learn stuff from too. He is getting into the wrestling card space or is in the wrestling card space, and he's got a beautiful collection ahead. We talk about high-end. We talk about operating the hobby full-time. Wrestling cards, you know the drill. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Let's freaking go. Let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited to bring on today's guest. Um, he is someone who I think if you're scrolling through his Instagram page, your jaw's probably going to jo- drop a little bit. Um, I know I have been a follower of his stuff for quite some time. We've been kind of going back and forth over the last uh, month or so just on some wrestling card stuff. So um, we're going to talk about cards, uh, his place in the hobby, collecting, dealing, wrestling cards. But without further ado, Jameson, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Long time listener. Glad to finally be on. Totally. No. And I, uh, I think when we were, before we were uh, hit record, I think we hadn't really spoken much to each other or chatted. And I think I, my first um, time where I was like, okay, exquisite sports collectibles was on Josh's show, cardboard chronicles. And you're kind of, I don't know, this might've been like pre pandemic or like about two years ago, but you're kind of talking through some of the stuff that you, you were buying some of the stuff that uh, you were um, you know, why reasons why. And I was like, this is like really good content. I appreciate um, what he's up to. And I think the big uh, angle of that episode, which I would love to dig in with you uh, on this show is just like you kind of getting up and kind of leaving your corporate job and going all in on the hobby. Um, So I want to talk about that, but, but maybe Maybe before we kick things off, like the hobby, a lot's going on right now. There's changes happening. What what's top of mind for you and just the this the space and kind of what are your areas of focus? Yeah, uh, well, I think um, you know, I think the market's kind of in a maturization process in in many ways. You know, I think some of the stuff that was going on during the pandemic, there's no way that was sustainable. You know, it was it was an uber bull market, right? I mean, it, you didn't even have to be really smarter and tell all you had to do is buy and stuff was just ripping. Right. And so now I think uh, we're seeing some of the fallback, especially when it comes to things with like high population reports and things like that, because I mean, you literally have to have unlimited cash flow going into those assets to keep them afloat. Right. I mean, eventually the population outpaces the demand. And so those things just naturally fall. I mean, it's, it's basic economics 101, but I still think, you know, in the pockets and, and, you know, thankful for me. And I, and I won't say I was like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a genius. It's more probably that I'm lazy <clears throat> is that the, 
the rare stuff has held up and held up well. It, it, you know, you see the the rare cards are continuing to set record after records. If you're looking at Premier and PWCC and stuff like that, um, not to say that you know when you deal with the ultra rare stuff and there's there's a limited population. I mean, one time one can sell for eighty, the next time it can sell for sixty, you know, and the next time it can sell for a hundred. You know, you really have to have two buyers going at it to create a market, right? If there's one person that's willing to pay a hundred, but nobody else is willing to pay ninety five. Well, then it's not going to do a hundred, you know. Um, so I think you know there's still some Uber bull markets. I think what was traditionally like a high end basketball Bowman Chrome baseball market, some of that money is now trickling into other assets. I think we'll talk about probably some of that later. Football, I think, has gotten. I think as Tom Brady has moved into the Michael Jordan esque position of his sport, and how like MJ kind of. If MJ is X, well, LeBron, Kobe, Curry, Luca, those guys have to be Y. I think you're seeing some of that take place in football where, okay, if Tom Brady is X, then where is Patrick Mahomes? Where is Peyton Manning? Where are, where are the new guys that are aspiring to be the next Tom Brady? So I think you have to have that guy on top, kind of Mike Trout in baseball, that kind of sucks everybody up with them. Um, usually there's a lag effect. So the, the alpha bull kind of goes out ahead. And then everybody starts, they get, they get the natural rise in the tide from, from those guys. So I think, again, you know, uh, the Mo Bamba PSA 10 Chrome rookie, the Bull Bull uh, Prism uh, 10 rookie, you know, that type of stuff is, is, I think, that market is maybe come and gone. And I think now you're getting a lot of matured, smarter, um, smart money coming in and, and, and the, the assets and the athletes that they're willing to go all in on is less, but I think they're willing to put more money into those particular assets. Yeah. So that you said so much there. And I think one thing I want to pick at, and I totally agree, like lower end market, some of the high population stuff is definitely dropped in price plummeted. But like, as you mentioned, the high end stuff, rare and scarce, highly collectible, those uh, increases have, you know, been seen month over month, year over year in that space. And I know you operate in kind of like the high-end card space. I want to know, since you're someone who's probably out there buying, uh, selling, uh, trading potentially with in the high-end market, like what what is the, you know, cards reach, you know, I think I saw the Brady champ ticket uh, sell for 2 million, whatever. For on PWCC, like what is the profile of individual that is out there continuing to compete and spend hundreds of thousands and millions in some cases? Like, can you give us any insight on like, not necessarily like who these people are, but like who these people are, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think you do have, I think obviously, you know, probably going back, you know, 2016, 17, 18, you know, I think people have started to see the headlines of some of these cards sell for. Um, I think it turned some heads. Um, I think what used to be maybe almost like a niche, like, you know, we'll say necessarily advertising that you collect and trade and sell baseball cards. You know, I mean, basketball, that, that it just wasn't like cool, you know, or whatever. And I think there's been kind of like this, like uh, this reset where it's like, hey, these things are are pretty cool and they're pretty nostalgic. and 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 the money aspect of it, you know, I think makes it cooler and you're starting to see the celebrities come in. So I think you're seeing um, some people looking for diversification in, in, in assets. 
So it gives some of times like these guys, some of these hedge fund guys that maybe collected cards as a kid um, or some of these well-to-do businessmen, not necessarily hedge fund, you know, now they have, they're, they're our age. Some have done really well, some a little older, some, will, and they have this, this money, whether they've, you know, ripped in the stock market, real estate market, crypto market, whatever it is. And, and they're seeing these things making headlines. And they, I think it's that, that whole nostalgia play where like, Hey, I remember when I was a kid and collect the card, how much fun that was. So I can do that and they can be really valuable assets and potentially I can double, triple, quadruple my money. So I think it's like, you know, sports cards gives you the best of kind of all worlds where and it gives you the ability to sit at the casino table in many regards, right? Because you get that, you get that gamble every time, whether someone's a collector or an investor, like it feels good to know what you bought is worth more than what you bought it for, whether you intend to sell it or not. Even if you don't intend to sell a card and you paid 40 grand, it still doesn't feel good when you see it run an auction for 20 grand, right? So we still like that. I think one of the biggest things for me is like, I'm a big Stephen Curry fan, right? Uh, I like Luka Doncic. I like Stephen Curry. You know, um, I love Kobe Bryant, but like seeing Steph had a good game and then like being able to flip through my box and like have the connection with some of those cards and stuff like that. Some of that stuff, like you can't really put a price on. And I think for some of these big money guys getting back in it, I think having the ability to almost have that like kid-like sensation again with some of their assets, and not, you know, it's not exciting to go buy Bank of America stock. I don't go like, oh, Bank of America had a good quarter. Let me go look at my portfolio and see how many stocks I'm holding now, you know? But I think having that connection and giving some of these people that sometimes live in an alternate world, high pressure, everything like that every day, and it gives them this release where they can make some money and enjoy it um, and connect with people. Uh, I think that's one of the beauties of sports cards. I love that. And let's talk about you a little bit. I think I couldn't agree more on this element of like, you know, you put up money, you buy cards undeniably. If you're doing this in the hobby, you don't want to see your cards drop. Like you buy those cards because you have that connection. Like you do with Steph, who, by the way, I was in bed before it was over, but what a all-star performance. last night. But, and so like you have to, there's this, I think this like instinct we have as collectors and people who operate in the hobby is where, you know, the masses are going out and doing some something. And a lot of people flock to that thing. And then card prices run up. Typically like the people who are in the game aren't necessarily, they're trying to sell into that, right? They're not necessarily trying to buy into that. And so like, you're, you're an individual who I think has like made the decision of like, I love cards and I love doing this and I want to do this and I want to, I want the flexibility with my lifestyle. I want to do cards. And so like you made a decision of like, think, and you can tell us, but like, you know, a, a little bit ago, just to say, this is what I want to do. So maybe like kind of talk us through like that decision-making process for, for you and kind of your family. And like, like, how has that been? Like, what has it led you to be able to focus in on? And just like, ultimately I'd love to hear like the more time you put into the hobby, like some of the returns you've seen on the other side? For sure, man. I mean, well, for me, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I won't get too deep because I feel like there, it was, my decision was, was multifaceted. And I don't, I say this a lot and I don't think people, like I had a great job. Like I had like a job, like with a great company that paid me very well and had great benefits and stuff. But um, it, there was something more to that, you know, I'll, you know, probably I feel like spiritually, I was being worked on. I was being chipped away out. I felt unfulfilled in what I was doing. I felt like 
I kind of had one of those moments. Uh, I did a lot of traveling with my old job where I was one day I was traveling and I felt like I was just missing out on my family and stuff. And I, and I kind of like, just kind of hit me, you know, and maybe the Lord was working on me. He was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? You know? And I, I, I just felt like this empty feeling. Like I wasn't, I was working for like material thing. You know, I was working to have a nice car. I was working to have a nice house, working to have nice clothes, working to provide all those things for my family. But in reality, I probably wasn't providing them the most important thing, which is presence and time, you know, and all that stuff, you can find a way to get it, but you'll never get more time back. You know what I mean? And my kids were just reaching an age that a critical age, you know, I have a 12 year old, almost 13 of a nine year old. And we have a, a, a new a daughter that's less than one, but the 12 and nine year old were, you know, it was, it was reaching some critical ages where I had to like figure out what I wanted to do and what I was going to be. And I just felt like, you know, I talked to my wife about it. Thankfully she was, she's very super supportive and she's like, I trust you. If you think it, uh, and I could just see, I, and, 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 you know, I've been in the hobby since I was a kid. I mean, my first job ever was working in a sports card store. So like I've been around it. I've taken breaks here and there. I think as many of us did, as you go through critical life stages, getting married, working, having kids, you know? Um, and so there was times I bounced in and out. I was seeing some of the dynamics in the hobby. And at the end of the day, when you treat it as a business, you're really still, you're still buying. And I, I'm, I'm from sales. So just my background is sales. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're wholesaling and retailing at, at the end of the day, that, that, that's what it is. It, we can dress it up, you know, in cards and autographs and collectibles and da, da, da. But at the end of the day, you're buying something and you want to sell it for more than you bought it for. Right. And a lot of times you don't make money when you sell it, you actually make money when you buy it. And so these are just principles I knew. And I just said, listen, the number one thing about in the hobby, especially when you come in as from a buying ask uh, for a, from a business is liquidity. So I put myself, I made sure I was in a, a liquid position because I needed, I, you know, I told my wife, Hey, listen, it's going to take two or three years to ramp up. I'm going to, a lot of my, our, the money is going to go into inventory. And even if we make money, I have to reinvest that inventory back into new inventory. So did that, you know, I got, ultra lucky. Cause like literally I had started about my first year and like we hit that bull run, you know, my first, my first thought was when the pandemic came, I was like, Oh my gosh, what did I do? I quit my job. I had ultra security buying sports. Like who's going to want a sports cars when the world's falling apart? You know what I mean? I mean, that's my initial reaction. I, I mean, to say I wasn't like a little like nervous would be an understatement, you know? I probably sold some stuff. I wish I, not, not crazy, but I was like, okay, I need to get into just a little bit more cash right now, just in case. Um, so sold some stuff, made some trade, da, 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 da. But then, you know, we were off to the races and, uh, you know, I wouldn't change a thing I done. I've done, you know, I've been blessed in many ways, um, not only financially through converting to this in the bull market, but just the flexibility of being able to be for, here for my family. Um, especially in these times, especially in this crazy two years and being able to have time to spend with my kids, take them to things, be a part of their sports, coach their sports teams. Um, you know, we, ha- we do have a, a baby. So to be available for that and just be able to assist my wife with that. And so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a decision I made. I don't regret one moment. I do it a hundred out of a hundred times again, and couldn't be more happy with how things have turned out so far. You, you said something there that I want to kind of lean into because and it's this this element of like taking professional skills and applying them to the hobby. And this is like a topic that I'm like super passionate about because I think everybody has different and diverse skill sets that if they just take a step back and think about what they do for a living, there are things that they can apply to the hobby. 
you said you were in sales and everybody listening to the show is not everyone's in sales. Some people are, but other people are working directly with sales. We all know how sales works. So like, I'd love to know just from like, is it like negotiations? Like what are those elements that from your old career that you were able to apply to the hobby and that you found like work really well, like the, the skills that transfer over from kind of like corporate life to the hobby? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of it is trust your gut, trust your gut. You know, I think a lot of times we overthink situations and if something doesn't feel good off the initial gut, step away from it. If, if you believe passionately in something and you've done, you know, and you know your due diligence, go for it. I love the art of, of making a deal. To me, sometimes, and, and, and this will sound, you know, kind of, there are cards I get and I, I get them and I love them. But sometimes for me, it's about the chase of finding it and locating it. And then sometimes, I think you talk about it a lot. You know, sometimes I, you know, I'm hot and heavy on something. I get it. I locate it. I bring it in. And then it wanes. Some of it wanes. Some of it was obtaining something that someone told me I couldn't obtain or I couldn't find or I couldn't get, da, 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 and finding that item and bring it. Sometimes there's an opportunity to uh, upgrade. And, and though I've done well, I don't have an unlimited amount of money. So it means making hard decisions. Would I rather have this card if it means selling this card? You know what I mean? But you know, a lot of it comes back to just deal psychology I learned along the way and just being okay to walk away for a de- from a deal, knowing your line in the sand, walk away. There's a lot of times everybody's trying to earn that extra 5% on both sides. The seller's trying to get an extra 5 to 10% more and the buyer's trying to save an extra 5 or 10%. And so sometimes if you feel like you're starting to get in that crazy territory is don't be afraid to walk away and leave the door open for that person to come back. I think sometimes we get over emotional and sometimes like, you know, words are slung or like people say things and it turns people off from a deal, but like, don't close that door over like five to 10% because more often than not perspectives change. Um, and so don't be afraid to, to walk away from a deal at the same time. If a good deal is staring you in the face, I, I literally tell this to people all the time. And I even do it myself sometimes. I'm like, why did I do that? I tell everybody not to do that. If it's something you really want, like, and you believe in it, don't let that extra five or 10% stand in the way of not buying it. I've had that happen. It happened, literally happened to me the other day on PWCC. I was on the fixed market display. And I don't know if I should be advertising. It's <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. We, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I, I mean, I enjoy doing business with those guys. I, I was on the marketplace. There's a card listed. I made an offer on it. The, the buy it now itself was probably fair. I made an offer on it. The guy countered. I countered again. <laughs> And then he raised the price double. <laughs> and now the initial buy it now price, you can't even put it in the system because it's below the threshold. And I'm like, why did I do that? You know, and, and so like, I tell people that if you believe in it, because listen, like if you buy a card, right, that you're buying to invest in, right? And, and let's say, let's say the card is, you think it's 250, the guy hasn't listed for 300, right? But you believe in this card. Are you buying a $250 card for it to be 350? Or are you buying it because you think it's going to be 500? If you're buying because you think it's going to be 500, whether, whether it's 250 or 300 a day, it's really irrelevant, right? Because you're hoping it goes to 500. So even if you make, whether you make 200 or 250, does it really matter? But if you lose out and you lose the deal and you never have the opportunity, it's a much bigger loss. So that's one thing I stress to people all the time. Do you believe in it? Do you have conviction? Where do you see that card being? Okay, if it's a double up, why worry about 10%? you know? So that's so good. And I think a lot of people can uh, relate, relate to that. 
and I'm going to talk a little, I want to talk with you a little bit more about that. And just when we get to wrestling cards, but I want to, you're a collector, you're an investor, you're, you're making money or supporting your family with this. Like, I'm curious, like when you're buying cards or your, your inventory, like, how are you deciding, like, this is what's for me and what I want to keep for the long term, And here's, here are the cards that I'm buying to kind of keep everything moving and rolling that I'm going to be selling to collectors in the space. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> that's probably been one of the toughest things in this whole transition, right? Is because I do like car. I mean, I love cards, right? But at the same time, I'm, I'm supporting my family with this. So most things I get, I would say there, there are a handful of cards that I kind of have put away and like I've received like ridiculous offers and I've just, you know, they're just like, I, I don't really want to sell it because I know I'll never replace it. And I'm in them really good. Um, and so it's not that crazy thing, but most stuff I have, if I got offered the right offer, I would probably sell it just because ultimately I am supporting my family with this. And that's a real paradigm shift I had to make when I, when I got into this. Um, and so, um, I wouldn't say there's like a, a certain calculation or like a certain, like, uh, like a rule of thumb I use, you know, if stuff, if it's something I definitely want to like sell at some point and it's like not Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry is like usually the one guy like I'll pay up for. Um, and, uh, and, and like, no, like, okay. Even if I like worst case scenario broke, even I'm fine. I just want this card, but like other people, like, I'm like, okay, like, where do I see this going? What's the risk reward? Um, is it, is this a good use of capital? What other items could I put this money in? And there's times I'll like liquidate an asset like of a, of a player or something because I'm, I'm starting to feel like, ah, it's getting a little risky. I have a lot of money in that guy. I would just feel a little more comfortable, especially on some of the younger unproven guys. You know, if you're buying Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Michael Jordan, there's very low risk. If those cards are going down, usually the market is coming with it. So it really doesn't matter what you have. Um, but, you know, some of the guys, you know, are a lot more, have a lot more beta to them. You know, when you start looking at guys like Luca, even though I love him, uh, John Morant, uh, Patrick Mahomes, even though he's won a Super Bowl, you know, I still think there's more than like a Tom Brady because he never won another Super Bowl. I think his cards would be affected. Um, you know, Josh Allen, those type of guys, you know, once I start getting a little too heavy, I want to pull back a little bit just because there is risk there. And if they, one of them did get hurt or something, you know, that would, that would be crippling to a portfolio, you know, if you're, if you're too heavy in those guys, if you're not just rapidly moving in and out, you know? So the, this is something that I'm talking about this week is just this idea of buying cards. There, there's kind of like these, these two different lanes that I I've been observing in the hobby. You've got people who buy active players who speculate regardless, like Steph Curry could be in this bucket, even though he's, a first ballot hall of famer, top 10 player of all time, greatest shooter of all time, still active player. Uh, you, people buy players because they think that that player might win another MVP, might win a championship, and they're speculating. They want that attachment and that association to look at the box score, watch their game on League Pass, which is all fun. That makes what the hobby exciting. And then there's this other bucket of people buying cards based on just nostalgia of like, you know, for me, it's like Peyton Manning. It's like Peyton is not playing any longer. However, like I have a strong connection with him based on just me being a Colts fan. So there, there and there's some crossover between those two groups. 
But like, do you think about that at all when you're, you're making purchases? Like, do you think that while it might be less exciting, like the inactive players or the players who have retired and who are hall of famers now, do you think like that's a safer investment? I'd love to just like hear like your mentality regarding like active versus retired. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's, it, it really is. Yeah, I, I I look at that all the time, right? And so, like you know, I, I was looking at that the other day because there's some of the few auctions. Even though I'm not a huge fan, not that he's, I just, I just, I'm just never been a big fan of LeBron. Not that I don't think I, I think he's, I think he's the second best player of all time. I don't, I don't think he's a bad. He's a great basketball player. I just never been a fan of him. I've always been a Kobe guy, and then like I went into Curry when kind of Kobe was on the downside, and I lived out in the Bay Area for a while. Um, and so, you know, those have always kind of been like, you know, you're a LeBron fan or a Kobe fan kind of, and then like it kind of shifted into like, you know, the Warriors came up during what should have been LeBron's prime and kind of created this Curry thing. And so like, I was looking at actually, you know, I, some of this like LeBron stuff lately, I felt on auctions have kind of took a little dive down. I'm like, man, like this kind of looks like a decent entry point on it. feels like it's pulled back just a little bit. Not as exquisite rookie, but everything else kind of seems like it has. And I'm debating, like, is this, are we starting to see kind of like, did we see the peak of LeBron pricing where are, are we going to see a little bit of a decline now because people think maybe the championship window is closed for him at this point in his career and he's heading into retirement. And as you head into retirement, because you don't have that feeling of, turning on sports center when they're retired and seeing him drop 35, 10 and 15 and hit a game winner. Do you lose some of that kind of that, that, that price bump that you get in those moments? Um, and it's so hard to tell because, you know, a couple of years ago, we saw this huge price jump in MJ because we got the last dance. Right. And people got people that never experienced that or had been a long time since they experienced that they got to almost, it was almost like Michael was playing again for that, for that run. And there was no other sports on TV. And so it was kind of like this magic in a bottle that was captured. Right. And his cards went nuts. I mean, Pippen's cards, I, I think everybody who ever had played for the bulls cards went up at that point. Right. And so, you know, it is an intriguing thing. Um, I think some of the, and, and now we're going to see what's going to happen with Tom Brady too, if he truly stays retired, you know, I think in that scenario, I think some of the, less maybe iconic cards of theirs may have a trickle down, may not be as, you know, I, I think some of those may get a pullback, but I think you do have like uh, the LeBron exquisite iconic card. It, it, it transcends the hobby itself, right? I mean, that is like a card of grails. Um, the Tom Brady, like uh, contenders, uh, especially the champ ticket, right? The Jor uh, Jordan, you know, his Fleer rookie is, a cool card, but I think there's so many of it. I think almost like some of his grail stuff is more like the nineties inserts, like the PMGs, the credentials. Uh, yeah. Peyton with his contenders, rookie, super short print, iconic card, you know, those type of cards, I think transcend, you know, the player, the car, it's like a, it's like the Trinity. It's like the player, the card, the air, the, everything about it. Like, so it, it, those cars themselves, I think can go on and move past, but I think when those guys retire, I do feel like some of the peripheral stuff is going to soften up a little bit. I love that. Uh, such good context there. And just speaking to like the high end market, because this is like the segment that you're in. 
what are the types of things that you are looking for when you're when you're making buys? Is it like the player, the product, market fluctuation, everything that goes into it? I'd love to kind of get your mindset on like how you operate and anything you think might be interesting for us to know about what's happening on with high end at this point. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I know like right now it seems to be, you know, the the iconic cards, they just don't but some of the iconic cards like the Brady's contenders. It's a great card. But you see them, you see a handful of them every day. It's like it loses like it's a safe investment, right? But like I can go buy that card and it literally anytime I want, I can go on eBay, can go on the auction house and literally have my pick of about any grade except for like a gym mint, right? Same with the Jordan Fleer. So those cars are great and they definitely have a place in the market. And I can see where like things like auction houses and investment firms and there's a lot of there's a lot of information. They're they're traded almost daily. So you so you feel secure in what you're buying. There's all kinds of price data on them. But those cards for me, they don't really do it. I, I can appreciate them and I can appreciate people wanting those cards. But for me, I love like the super rare, like out of five, out of 10, like sick patch logo cards that you just, they never come up. You know, uh, I love like logo man autos. I love like cards, like where the players put like an, excri- an inscription on a handful. Like those to me, like, and I could be totally wrong on this. Like those to me over time, like after those get buried in personal collections and they, they don't see the light of day very often. Like to me, that's like the art of the space. That's like, like the Picasso, the Van Gogh, like you don't see those every day. And those are the cards I love to try to chase after and find. And, and those are what like makes me happy when I get those cards. And then I also look for like little, like it, it kind of, this is kind of like the alternate stuff I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But I look for like segments of the hobby where like, and I'm not like, there's a lack of maybe some common sense being applied and like no, no disrespect to people that, that correct, like collect like national treasures and stuff. But like when I have the opportunity uh, of buying like a Luca national treasure for like 250,000 gym mint 99, or I can buy like the flawless RPA at a 25, which has like a game use patch in it. Like the only Luca card that has a game use patch in any of his rookie card stuff for half the value, like something like I could be wrong, but I will buy two of those compared to one and take my chances. Um, I just feel like there's like, there, a lot of the hobby is like, well, this is what it is. Cause this is what we've always done. And da, da, da. And I think <laughs> like at some point, like there's going to be like, there'll be like a handful of collectors and say like, but why? why, why, why are we doing that? Why, why are we paying um, all this money for a Jersey from Dick sporting good in our card? with an autograph that I can get in in person for a hundred dollars. Or there's this other card over here that truly has a relic from this person that they wore in a game in their rookie season. And it's the only one in the market. Like, like, so I think there's like little bubbles that, you know, same with like wrestling card. We'll talk. And like, you know, I wrestling a Marvel is something I've been buying a lot lately. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but, but I just look for those little aspects where I feel like, why, why are these questions not being asked? And, 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 and will there be, and I think there is, because a Luca Flawless just went really high in PWCC's last market, um, but uh, auction. But these are, I look for little kind of blips that don't seem to make a lot of sense. 
in the marketplace. There's going to be a big but why from me that's going to lead us to the end of this conversation, but before, and that's going to be involving wrestling cards. But before we get there, I want to hear um, what is a card that you bought, like at some point within the last like couple years that like, you, you saw it listed and it like checked those boxes, like, you know, add a like five or, you know, lower inscription, like just one of those cards. You don't see a lot of people like the right player that you don't see a lot of people talking about, but when it came on your radar, you're like, this card checks all the boxes. Like, yeah, there's a price there. I don't even really need to look at comps because it seems like that's fair. Like, and you just, you just went for it. Is there a card that you have bought, you can still own it or you might've sold it, but just like, what is a card that people can visualize that you're t- talking about? Um, well, I think like, uh, one of the coolest cards I bought in the last year and, and it was kind of, it was shout out my buddy, uh, shine one five Oh, I think everybody knows shine. Um, you know, he's got one of the craziest collections and then uh, Grayson at cherry, uh, Grayson a few years ago, had picked up this curry card and I had messaged them and they weren't really selling it at the time. And, uh, and uh, so I had always like Dale's their guy that does the buying over at Cherry. And I had messaged him, hey man, you still got, I've just kept in touch literally for two years. You stopped the, yeah, we stopped the card. Yeah, it sounds like I did that. And I know Matt was good, but Matt has done a lot of business with them. And like, we're saving it because I said, Matt, you know, do you want this card? If not, can it, he's like, yeah, I'll hook it up. So I was able to get, uh, it's the immaculate, um, what are they called? It's, it's the big chunk of shoe, right? And it was the first year they had, had done it. And it's the only card I think that exists with it. And, um, and it's got the, uh, Philippians 413 scripture that Steph writes on his, all his shoes. Um, so it's got that. And then it's got a part of his autograph from where he part, but so the whole chunk has the kind of the scripture in the card and it's got a piece of his autograph. Um, it's a two of two, but the other piece is, is not like that. It's just different pieces of the shoe. And to me, like, that's like, that's just so cool because I think that really represents who Steph is. And that's a big, you know, him being a Christian athlete, it's a big part of who he is. And so, you know, there's a lot of inscription cards out there with go warriors and dubs, da, 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 da. but to have that and to know what that means to him and to have that piece of shoe and that card is just like, that was like a really, and so like, you know, when Grayson said the price, it wasn't really even like, there was no negotiation, like, fine, whatever, like, I'll take it, you know what I mean? And so that I was really happy because like, when you look, you know, Steph has a bunch of logo man. And I'm not saying it's the value of a logo man auto. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he has 20 logo man autos out there. He has hundreds of patch autos and you can get the sickest warrior design. And I have some of them. I have some really great Steph Curry patch cards. But for this, I feel like it's the only one that exists out there. So for me to get that into my PC, I was just like, and obviously like I've had a billion other Curry PC. If you ever sell it, let me know. Da, 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 da. So to have that is just like, that was like, probably my favorite pickup of, of the year. So I saw that card on your Instagram and I was going to bring it up because I, I'd never seen anything like it. And I love yeah. how you just brought it up and gave the backstory of it. Go check out uh, Exquisite Sports Collectibles uh, Instagram page. That card is sitting there and it's one of a kind. I mean, I mean, it's not one of a kind apparently, but it is one of a kind. Right, so. right. Yeah. All right. So my but why, and this will lead us into like wrestling cards yeah. where and just so everyone knows, uh, Jameson is dressed up for the occasion with an Andre the Giant hoodie, which, which, I, which I appreciate. With wrestling cards, like, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan. I love basketball. I'm a massive football fan, but like, I'm also a massive pro wrestling fan. And so, you know, when I'm spending my time not watching 
sports, basketball or football, I'm watching wrestling. And so with that, like passion behind it, I I've always like being a guy who's collected everything. I've wrestling cards has always been something that has interest me. And so before I like made any moves, I really just like observed like what's happening in the market. What are people talking about? And notice the community's great. But like the thing that I noticed is like everyone was like talking about the same cards, which back to kind of your point, it's like, it doesn't really appeal to me. If, if I can go on eBay and go buy this card in whatever technical grade, then like that's, that's not even the, that, that loses like 50 to 75% of the fun to me. So I know people collect, and I would consider that like the vintage wrestling card space, right. which is a, a lovely community. People are fantastic. But for me, like I watch active product and I have a connection with maybe shiny cards, parallels. And so like right. fusing those worlds together, it was like, well, like there's these like tops Chrome wrestling cards out there that are like short print that, you know, show wrestlers from today and from the past. Like, I know no one's talking about these, but like, this is like, I want to collect these. Like I want to buy these. So like me along with some other people. And then as I'm like observing, you're an individual that's coming in kind of doing the same thing has like really invested time, money, energy in buying these cards because I think as wrestling fans and as card collectors, they just make sense to us. So we have seen tremendous sales across the board for modern rare wrestling cards over the last month. I guess just to start there, like you've been a player in this space. Is this, is this something you anticipated? Like, I just love some just like general observations before we drill in. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I've been watching wrestling my whole life too. I've been a fan. I've been- similar sports cards. There's been times I've been more into it than, than last. I mean, there were some years I, I missed, but I mean, I used to go to, you know, uh, WCW when I was a kid, Sting, Flair, Savannah, Savannah Civic Center. My dad used to take me as a kid. So I'm lifelong and I love the products. And, you know, obviously the attitude, you know, NWO attitude era, that was like, you know, the best time. And then I kind of got out of it a little bit. And then, you know, I think I, was, I think that was actually you. I think I might have even commented on some of your stuff before I had gotten back into it. I was like, man, that's a really cool pickup. Da, da, da. And so there was time I would like look at stuff and I was like, oh, I should buy some of that stuff. And I wouldn't. And then, you know, I get busy. Da, da, da. And then I had gotten in when the first year Transcendent came out, I had gotten into a bunch of group breaks of that stuff because I wanted to hit the Andre cut card was what the card I wanted to know. Um, so I can tell you a brief story, either offline or something, but my family had a relationship with Andre. I'll tell you sometime. Um, and so I was wanting that car, but I ended up hitting some really cool cars. That was the first Vince McMahon auto. I had hit one of those in a break. And then I won the invite. I got to go to WrestleMania that year. So it was just like, really like restoked me and kind of got me back into the product. Um, and then when you look at it again, you know, it's a worldwide product, right? Um, you know, as much as everybody, you know, I know, you know, we got a new, uh, promotion, AEW, everybody loves it. It's the darling, da, da, da. If you look in WWEs, they made the most money they've ever made. You know, no, no. they have they getting billions of dollars from this network, this network, and this network. So as much as people want to, you know, crap on them, uh, you know, their financial statements say say otherwise, right? And so um, when this new transcendent came back, and I'm a sucker for like super fractors, and I heard they were going to have super fractors, I like I need to get in some of this stuff. And then I start, I, so I started off with break, and I was just looking at like what you got. I was like, look, this is like a no lose product. Because when you look at like the box content, you got in the base set, you got great autos. 
Then you got the super fractor, you got the quad of the four horse women, which I think could be a huge card down the line, how massive all those women have been for pro wrestling. And then you got the garbage pail sketch, da, da, da. So then I, as a true degenerate that I am, I'm like, I'm going to start buying some cases of this stuff. And it was just fun. And, and, but the calculation, it really wasn't a degenerate because like the way I was calculating is like the worst you could do is probably lose 20%. If you open a case of sports cards and only lost 20%, you'd probably dance around your neighborhood. Right. And so, and most cases I was opening, I was, what I was making money. So I was able to rip open, keep what I wanted. And, um, and, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, and I think the product to me, I know people don't, you know, are not too high on WWE right now, but to me, there's some aspects of the product that are great. And I think one of them, we both feel, uh, have an affinity for, for, uh, Roman Reigns, you know, I mean, to me, his character right now is like the coolest character since like the rock to me, like just like, the dude is money, like everything he does. And even his work, like, you know, people like he's had some great matches in, in this persona. I mean, like that one with Seth at WrestleMania, I mean, at Royal Rumble was like off the charts. And I think his appeal and him becoming the face, I think he's a guy that he has a look, he has a presence, he has a cool factor that I think, has mainstream capability. I mean, is he, listen, there will never be another rock, right? The rock is a one of a kind. The guy, like, the guy can like take a step and he just oozes charisma. But Roman, I think, has a, a lot of that going for him. Not necessarily on the, the, the funny, ha-ha, gonna make you laugh like the rock did, but like, you know, it's the old state saying like Ric Flair, like, like guys want to be him, women want to be with. Like that's what Roman is. You know what I mean? Like he looks like he should be the champ. And I think like this new Brock character is like amazing. Like what he's doing right now is, might be the best of his career. Um, and so like I, I just think there's a lot of good stuff going on. Is there a lot of like fluffer stuff they do that like you just like what makes you want to gouge your? Eye? Yeah, of course there is. But like the meat of that product, uh, even Seth. Like I don't like the laugh and everything. But the dude in the ring is absolute money. Like him, Riddle, AJ, like those guys can go in the ring. Even Lashley, I think, can go. He he can't cut a promo, but he can go. That's like, what MVP is for. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I think, you know, obviously with Panini getting the license, you know, Tops didn't do a lot to promote the product at all. I don't think. It was just kind of like, here's these products. We're just releasing them and just buy them if you want to. But I think where Panini finds themselves right now with the loss of the licenses they have, the money that they're putting in products like UFC and WWE, um, I think they're counting a lot on these products. So I think we're going to see a mass of more commercializing of the wrestling products starting to come through. And I can only imagine what some of these gold prism cards of guys like Roman, if they have, if they have older, if they have the rock in there, if they have Stone Cold, if they have Hogan on, you know, Ultimately, if they have these guys in those products, I mean, that rock gold prism is probably going to be, a, I would imagine, a $10,000 card out of the gate, at least. I, at least, I think. I, I know, I know, including myself, there's, there's a lot of people yeah. that had spent 10K right. on the, rock, the first ever rock gold right. prism. And we'll try not to promote it too much because yeah. we don't want every, <laughs> there's only 10 copies or so we think. Right, right. Um, but so touching on like the globalization that you mentioned. So like my wife was with friends this weekend and she was busy and I was playing uh, the dad role, but I told her like, all I need is four hours this weekend, like 12 to four here. So I can watch a elimination chamber, which was in Saudi Arabia. 
And I, I just want to like block that time off so I can have it. So, you know, you talked about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns opened the show against Goldberg. And literally, like, when his music hit, the feeling, the look on that whole stadium's face changed. And right. everyone got up. And it was like, it, it reminded me so much of, like, the Attitude Era with, like, Rock and Stone Cold and the crowd's reaction. And he's just built this persona to be something that, like, almost transcends WWE, which hasn't happened in a long time. So, like, you know, when you see sales of, like, the 2014 Roman Superfractor go for 15K, like, right now, that might seem to people that are outsiders looking in as, like, really high. To me, like, as someone who's been in this space, like, I think we're just getting started. And so that's why it's just, it's so funny. For so long, wrestling cards seemed, I don't want to, like, degrade vintage but it just seemed like a little sterile all the same stuff but now right. like people are coming in and people who like rare and scarce stuff who watch the product who want to connect with the past are coming in and spending a lot of money on on these cards because they they have a strong connection and i think any market that's going to sustain and grow like you want people who are fans and then also like i'm not gonna lie like i bought plenty of cards of 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 guys and gals that like might not be my cards forever, but now I'm like, none of this stuff is graded. Like I'm going to grade some of this stuff and then I'm going to flip it. And then I'm going to go buy some bigger cards that I want. So it just like, it seems like I had been priced out of certain segments, basketball type of card. I want cards I want for so long, but now like I'm able to afford to do that in wrestling, which is something that I really love. Yeah. That, I mean, that's super fractor. I mean, honestly, if I would have known that guy would have sold it for 15, I would have bought it. So me too, me too. when I put, when I, after I hit the, um, <clears throat> the super Roman out of transcendent and I, like, I had that, which I mean, when you think about that was, I don't know how many months back, but I offered 10 K on that card and it was an automatic decline. So I was like, this guy probably wants something ridiculous. Like, and so I didn't put in another offer, but like that 10 K as a, on a multiple of what the actual sales were back then was probably a higher multiple than the 15 K he just got compared to what the other stuff is selling for now. I mean, back then, I mean, there was no like raw sales of a thousand dollars on that auto card. And there wasn't a, a red raw that had just sold for 2000 and da da da. I mean, there was like, I mean, Roman's cards were up a little bit, but I think it was more of like uh, some of the stuff that was coming out with his kind of his new persona in it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I kind of just kind of, I thought about like I was like, oh, that guy just, he doesn't, he's not really selling it. He's just showing everybody he has the card. And I kind of just backed off and forgot about it. Um, and had he, had I known he would take 15 K if he would have, if he would have had offers on and he would have countered me at 15 K, I probably would accept it. I thought it was a museum card too. I yeah. thought he was out there <laughs> showing every, everybody. So when you finally hit the Roman super in the, like talk, talk to me about that. Cause I, I want like I was after that card. I knew you were after that card. I, when someone broke the news for me, and I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm happy for him. Like, I'm like, I, he really wanted that card. I know he did based on what you were saying. So, like, when you finally hit it, like, talk to me about what was going on in your head. So I think that was like, I, I opened five personal cases that card, <laughs> and so this was it was funny because I think I got this one from Blowout, and I offered them. I had made I, I had made a couple deals with a couple of distributors where they sold it to me less than they had it on their site. Cause they, I mean, they didn't probably didn't want a $11,000 box of wrestling cards hanging around. Right. 
And, and so I'd gotten a pretty good deal. And then like, I think blowout was down their last one. So I said, Hey, can you do X on this? I'll take it. They're like, now it's our last one. We'll only take Y. So I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, well, at this point, like if it's the last one, you couldn't find it anywhere. It dried up super quick. Um, and I had, I was buying into breaks that I was trying to hit back hard. Um, and so I got it. And so I always, so if you hit the super, they're not in the frame set. And so I had learned the pattern of the frames. The, the frame set is in a pattern every time. And it would go Jey Uso, Roman, and I couldn't remember what was behind it. So I picked the Jey Uso up. I, save, I always save the garbage pail and the super for last. So I picked the Jey Uso up, and Roman wasn't behind it. I was like, oh, man. So then I, I grabbed the super. I started inching it down. And then I was, yeah, I was fist pumping. It was finally in there, man. And I was, like, so stoked because you know, I didn't want to have to like get into a bidding war or like someone hit it in a break and you never find out about it. Da, 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 da. And so now it was good. I mean, I got super lucky because I mean, I hit a bunch, my cases were really good. Um, I don't think I really got one like dud case. Dude, you have, I'm looking, I don't know if that you all pulled like, you, like your supers that you have in your Instagram post, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, AJ Styles, HBK, Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, like those, like if I could like hand pick six, yeah. like those would like, there might be one flipping it out. Maybe not yeah. like those might be the six that I'd want. Yeah. <laughs> no, are- it was, I, no, I, in fairness, I traded for that stone cold. So I didn't okay. pull that stone cold, but, um, and I, and I traded for the Brett, but I hit the styles. I hit the HBK. I hit the Charlotte. I hit the, um, who else is in there? The uh, Roman. And then I hit, I did hit Rhea Ripley, but I sold that one. And then, yeah, I did a deal for the, the heart. Cause Brett, like, he's like my favorite WWE guy from like, pre-attitude. Like even his at some like when he turned, like some of that work, like when he's cutting that promo on Vince in the ring and the steel cage, that's it's like the best. Exactly, yeah. It's the best. That's like, mo- that's so money. And he's like, to me, like, I know people love the flying and the flipping and I understand people like liking HBK and thinking like he's the best performer, but like, you want to talk about, who made it the realist? Like Bret Hart was the realist. Like he literally looked like he was picking people apart, like legitimately in there. So I've always and I hit his red. So in this in the same was it the same case? I hit his red one on one frame. So then and then um, I think it was Drake or Ben or or Adam said this guy hit the super fractor. They they led me to that. So I was able to pair. So I had both red one on ones. And then the case in one case I hit. The Becky Garbage Pail sketch, the HBK Super Fractor, and the Adam Cole 101 Red Frame where he described it Bebe on it. So that was a sick case. Oh, man. Uh, just nerding out over here over this yeah. stuff. <laughs> so the wrestling card market, maybe we close out with this because I could talk about this stuff forever. But the wrestling card market, I think, is like is definitely the hottest it's ever been. Um, it's I would anticipate with prism coming it's gonna grow even more especially right around wrestlemania time like what's next do you think do you just do you continue to see like people coming in buying cards like i'd love to get your mentality obviously you see opportunity i see opportunity it's tons of fun so i'd love to maybe close out with your thoughts on just the market yeah i mean i think you know um i think it's going to be very character specific um, I don't think it's necessarily go by every single wrestling card you see, they're all going to go up. Right. Cause at the end of the day, like we buy stuff we want and we relate to, 
you know, and I won't dive too far off the path, but like another thing, like I really like, I like, I really enjoy like Marvel movies and Marvel stuff. So I've been buying a Marvel, you know, some of the stuff I've come into, I got in a little bit before the boom, but like now it's boom. But like you buy people characters you relate to, just like people love Spider-Man. That's why Spider-Man stuff's worth so much. Just, you know, off, uh, you know, people like, uh, a, a second tier character is not going to sell for as much as Spider-Man. So a Spider-Man PMG can sell for 80 grand where somebody else might sell for a thousand. Same thing in wrestling, like a rock prism is going to be 10,000. There's going to be others that characters that a gold prism, even as it's, it's going to be a hundred dollar card, right? Just because, you know, nobody wants a happy Corbin or a, a sappy Ma- or, you know, Moss or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like they just, they don't, you know? And so, um, but I think what you look for, so like I'm super bullish on, like of like the current people I'm super bullish on Roman like the people that are real active wrestling my, my two picks like if I was going male it'd be Roman female Sasha Banks and the reason I like Sasha is because I think she's the biggest crossover potential out of anybody you've already seen it Mandalorian you know she's just she has like a persona and an aura to her where like Charlotte is like by you know she's the best in-ring worker but she kind of lacks a little bit. And I think of that, like she has less mainstream maybe of like diverging into other things like a, like a Sasha does. I can even see maybe a Alexa as well. Cause I think she's a pretty good actress, you know, like she could like, so I look for those people that potentially could have that crossover uh, appeal, like a, like a Roman, like a John Cena, even though he didn't really get into movies. I mean, like Stone Cold, he's, he's made this brand outside, you know, most, a lot of people know who Stone Cold is obviously the rocks a no brainer. You know, so I look for guys like guys and gals like that are like who can literally like be at the top and, and who can get publicity outside as well. Just the WWE. So much good stuff in here. We could go. We could have gone Broadway. I could go another <laughs> hour. Jameson, thanks so much, man. Learned a ton. Check them out. Exquisite Sports Collectibles on Instagram. Anything else you want to plug? Are you going to be anywhere? Any shows? No, I've really cut back on the shows. Um, You know, uh just kind of so much I can do from the magical worldwide web these days, you know, um, with so you. Yeah, so my next big trip, I'm going to WrestleMania. So I'll be there. And uh, so looking, looking forward to that, but uh, not nah, man, just appreciate it. Big fan of yours outside of just the, the context you provide. I always, I almost feel like you're like, sometimes when I open your page, I feel like you're my fortune cookie for the day, whatever, like blurb you've put out there. It's like, <laughs> it's like, that's the motto. But, but I think, you know, it's great having people like you because I think you, you dearly care about the hobby and the communities. And um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of times there can be a lot of negativity in the space. And sometimes people dwell too much on the negativity. I think some of that almost is kind of what drew me to the wrestling and the Marvel was just getting out of some of the noise that you get in the major sport sometimes, because anytime you get so much money and, and, and greed and stuff together, it just, it burns you out. And so to me, like the wrestling and like the Marvel stuff has been a nice just like break that allows me to kind of just enjoy the collecting of it a little bit more than just like all the drama all the time. And like guys like you and Drake and Adam and stuff, you know, have been good uh, sounding boards and people just to hook up with and kind of just uh, kind of uh, cleanse my palate at, from time to time from some of the other madness that happens in our space. So I, I appreciate that. And man, yeah. uh, have fun at WrestleMania, I'm sure. You'll have some pictures out there and I'll wish I was there, but thanks so much for the time, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks. Jameson is a guy that I talked to a lot after we got done recording. 
A lot of passion, a lot of energy. I love his area of focus and what he has to offer. Hopefully you like that episode. I am going to have to get him back on the show because there was a lot more to be talked about. You all have a great weekend. You all make it happen. Enjoy the hobby. Nothing but love. Take care. Talk to you soon.